Boston College defeats Temple, but their offense leaves question marks. All of this and more on today's Locked On Boston College. You are Locked On Boston College, your daily podcast on the Boston College Eagles. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is Locked On Boston College. AJ Black here. Thank you all for listening. If you enjoy our show, make sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Find us on YouTube as well. On today's show, we're going to talk about the Boston College 28-3 win over the Temple Owls. It puts the Boston College Eagles at... 3-0 3-0 for the first time since 2018 and only the second time since 2007 where they started the season at 8-0. On Saturday, Boston College, they go out there. It's Dennis Grossell's first game starting since last season. And the first drive, you see Boston College really go out there and assert their will. Travis Levy returns a, a kick for 67 yards. They just have a couple of plays, and boom, they're in the end zone on a touchdown to Jaden Williams. It looks like the Eagles are going to easily take care of business. And they do. But it's not the offense that does it in this game. It's the defense. The defense plays out of their mind. They hold Clemson, I mean, sorry, yeah, Clemson, Temple to 257 yards. They force three uh, turnover on downs. They are doing everything in their power. Now, the big thing that we'll talk about later in this episode is the offense. The offense does not do what they need to do in this game. They run the ball. They they clearly are doing a, you know, a power run to kind of just keep the, the pressure off uh, Dennis Grossell and to get the game over as quickly as possible. It seems like they're just really concerned of just getting out of there. So you're seeing a lot of power schemes, a lot of big formations. You're not seeing BC take chances down the field, and that is okay. We'll talk about that with Mitch in a little bit. It's okay because that's not what they need to do. They just need to win this game. You win and you you advance, and that's what BC did in this game. Now, the Eagles, they needed to do a few other things as well, and you saw that on the defensive side. Chris Banks, Isaiah Graham Mobley are two players that have returned to Philadelphia for the first time since transferring from Temple to Boston College, and they both have mammoth games. Banks, he has a sack and a half. Isaiah Graham Mobley has easily the play of the game. When he sniffs out a fourth down run by uh, Temple quarterback Justin Lynch and slams him home to end it. So the game kind of goes back and forth. You see the defense, they're holding on, holding on. BC has a 14-0 lead. They're not getting anything. The third quarter, my goodness, was one of the worst quarters I've ever seen the offense play. They just, it was like three and out, three and out, three and out, three and out, punt. And and they're just not getting anything going. But the defense, is they're holding their own too. And what ends up happening is that offense, they're trying to run the ball, run the ball. They get it going in the fourth quarter and they put the game away. They have two touchdowns and that's it. Boston College wins. They got a, a sneak by Dennis Grossell and a touchdown by Alex Sinkfield. And that's it. Boston College wins 28-3. Takeaways from this game, you know, the defense, this is exactly what Boston College needed to do on defense. This is exactly the kind of output that we're expecting under Jeff Halfley. They're aggressive. They're switching things up. The vanilla defense is gone. They're playing aggressive. They're playing smart. You're seeing a lot of three down linemen and then a bunch of defenders 
lining up in the backfield, and that confused the freshman quarterback from um, Temple. Justin Lynch, he looked confused at points, and that is what caused pressure. You don't need to send seven guys after him because what ends up happening is that leaves guys open. What you do, you send three, you you set up the, the, the defense and you confuse him. He's looking and looking, and one of those defenders will get home, and that's exactly what happened. Boston College sacked him, I think, four times, and it looked good on defense. So, in the end... It's 3-0, and now Boston College has Missouri coming up this weekend, and this is a game that really is Boston College's first uh, test in the 2021 season. This is an SEC school that has one loss, but they've played really well. They have a good defense that could cause problems against a BC offensive line that has struggled to run run block, and they're an SEC school. You know, SEC, it always means more. You hear it over and over again. So this could be a game that Boston College really needs to play their top matchup. In a moment, we'll have Mitch Wolf on. We'll talk about the offense and the defense. If you like this podcast, you need to check out Locked on ACC. It is a podcast hosted by Candace Cooper, and it's joined by a bunch of Locked On Network ACC hosts, such as myself. We talk everything ACC. If you want to hear about the the conference, if you want to hear about what we think, you need to check out Locked On ACC wherever you get your podcasts, and we're on YouTube. Now, let's talk about Prize Picks. Prize Picks is a leader in college sports daily fantasy. Prize Picks offers more college football props than anyone in the world, and offers all the star players of the Power Five as well as mid major players. And they offer you props, anything you can think of, from yards to touchdowns. All you, and what we need you to know about this, what you need to know, you're going to get a 100% d- d- deposit match up to $100 when you deposit with prize picks. You pick two to five players, and under their over-unders and projections, you can win up to 10 times on any entry. Prize picks is safe and offers fast withdrawals. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's that easy. Don't hesitate. Check out prizepicks.com or go to your app store and download the app today. Prize pick is daily fantasy made easy. This is Locked On Boston College. AJ Black here. We're talking about the Boston College Eagles defeating Temple 28 to 3 on Saturday. With me now, I have Mitch Wolf. He's our staff writer. He also watched the game on Saturday. Mitch, how's it going? It's good. You know, we're quarter way through the season. BC's still undefeated. You know, things are looking up right now. And just like everyone predicted, the two undefeated teams in the ACC remaining are BC and Wake Forest. Exactly. And so we're talking about this game. We're going to, we have our system here, me and Mitch. We talk about the offense for a segment. We're going to talk about the defense for a segment. Let's kick it off with the offense. This was a group that, uh, Got a lot of gnashing of teeth online, and I get it. They weren't. It wasn't the prettiest game uh, by the offense. Mitch, what were some of your takeaways from the way the offense played? I mean, I think a big part of it is they came out so well. Granted, they were aided by a nice kick return, but they ran some nice plays, got a touchdown really quickly, and then they kind of just petered out for the rest of the game. You know, uh, like you said, you know, they really went conservative again with the play calling, not letting Dennis Grossell throw the ball a ton. But the thing that I noticed, and this was something that I've talked about and written about, is that they didn't really change the the passing game for Grissel. They still asked him to execute a lot of those deep dropbacks, long developing passing concepts, which again, the offensive line pass blocked super well. They gave him the time to throw. He just was more reticent to try to fire the ball into tight windows because one, he didn't really need to because the game was pretty well in hand thanks to the defense. And uh, he, he, I think he's self-aware and that he knows he doesn't have the cannon on his arm that Jerkovic does. 
Yeah, we saw that with um, that interception that Grossell threw that, you know, he kind of floated that in. It wasn't the, the best thrown pass. Now, the offensive line was also a tale of two cities here because you got the offensive line, as you just said, against in the past game. They look great. They, I mean, Grossell had all the time in the world back there, and he, he was able to pick apart that defense. Against the run, though, it, with, with the run, there were some concerns. What were your concerns when you saw that rush, rushing block? Yeah, I mean, it was. It, I think it was better than maybe against um, Colgate. It was probably about the same that we saw against UMass. But again, like they aren't, they just aren't getting the type of push that you're expecting from an offensive line that got so many preseason accolades and guys like Zion Johnson, who's going to be a top 100 draft pick, Alec Lindstrom as well, most likely. You know, you just want to see them dominating opponents at the point of the attack, like we saw at the end of 2019, where. They kind of, and granted, the scheme is very different, but you saw them just ride those guys and watch them just roll over opponents, racking up 300 plus yards in the ground. And BC is not going to do that as much anymore, but still, you just want to see them firing off the ball, putting Temple defenders into the dirt. And they're just not getting that push. And I obviously, you know, outside zone systems are a little different than man gap schemes, but, you know, I'd like to see maybe BC getting back that. Like, there were times where they really allowed mostly Patrick Garwo to just run north and south immediately, and I thought those plays worked a little better. So I'd like to try to – I'd like them to incorporate more of those schemes. I'm not sure if they're going to, but we'll see what happens in the coming weeks. Yeah, the big week big week with Missouri coming up. But, mm-hmm. you know, there, it was so hard. When, you know, I wrote up earlier today the offensive analysis, and it was like – it just seemed like BC was just in a hurry to get the hell off the field. <laughs> yeah yeah that's and I think yeah and it was a little frustrating because you know Grissel really took his time in the pocket like you said and was really just trying to like wait for somebody to come open and I think it was a little concerning that you know the defenders weren't able to separate against or the receivers weren't able to separate against Temple's defenders uh, but I again think he was being super conservative especially after that interception just not putting the ball in any kind of harm's way yeah it just to me when I my takeaway from this offense was there was nothing really to take away, positive or negative. It just was, other than maybe some concerns about the run blocking scheme, it seemed like Boston College was set on their ways of just like, okay, Temple can't stop us if we just run the ball down their throat for four quarters. Let's just keep doing that. And then let's keep, you know, we saw what happened with Zay against UMass. We really don't want that to happen again. Let's just keep it simple. Let's get a lead and then just bury them. And that's kind of what it looked like they were doing. And And it worked and it didn't work. Um, is that kind of how you felt the scheme was kind of going was like, you know, just kind of this really kind of slow, like try to drain the clock type of thing. Yeah. And I think you saw the dividends start to pay towards the end, specifically on the ground in that, you know, they ran Garwo up pretty hard early in his homecoming to the Philadelphia area. Levy got a few carries, but then when they brought in Sinkfield late in the game, he had a lot of bursts and got some big chunk runs. So I'm wondering if that's something they're also trying to set up, you know, maybe more of a, you know, try to just wear the defense down with some banging inside the tackles and then, you know, get some speedier guys on the edge to, you know, take advantage of the defense's lack of stamina or what have you. So, yeah, I'm still, I'm still just generally concerned about this offensive line's ability to get the run game going against better AC opponents and obviously Missouri this weekend. Yeah, it's going to be a big, we're going to be talking about that later on in the week, but that's going to be a big matchup for Boston College. So in a moment, Mitch and I are going to talk about the defense. Before we do that, 
Hey guys, so there are a few things in life that just aren't fun to talk about. One of them is excessive sweating. You know, when you are sweating through your shirts for no reason, it's embarrassing and it's gross. Some of you may know that I personally have dealt with this when I speak in public, can't help but sweat through my shirt. Now listen, I know this isn't life and death and there are much worse problems in the world, but let's be honest. In the moment, it feels like a big deal. Nobody likes to pit out during an important speech, interview, or God forbid, a first date. I'd rather much not worry about it, and that's why I use Sweatblock antiperspirant wipes. Sweatblock is stronger and more effective than most clinical antiperspirants. You simply apply it at night before bedtime, go to bed, and boom, next morning wake up, wash, and you go around your day, and you will not sweat. I know this will sound too good to be true, but I literally only have to use Sweatblock once or twice a week, and it helps me keep dry the whole time. No more pitting out, no more picking my shirts based on which one will hide the sweat better. If you or someone you love is dealing with this, you have to check out Sweatblock. Get it today for 20% off at sweatblock.com with promo code locked on or at Amazon and CVS. Now, if you know my podcast, you know I am a huge fan of the Built Bar. Built Bar comes in nine delicious flavors and occasional limited time flavors, and they are all great. They're 100% covered in chocolate. And if you're like me, you love the coconut and the coconut almond. They taste like a candy bar. They're so good. And the, the flavor profile is what really catches me. You know, you're tasting something that tastes like a candy bar. It has 17 grams of protein, 130 calories, four grams of sugar, four net carbs. You're not going to beat that with a protein bar. Check those out. And when you use promo code LOCKED15, you'll get 15% off your first order. Again, use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. This is AJ Black. I am here with Mitch Wolf. We are talking Boston College and Temple. It was a uh, it was a, a tough game to get through because it was just not – not really a lot going on, but if you were watching the defensive side of the ball, there were some positives. There were a lot of positives. It seemed like this defense sort of just kind of came alive. Mitch, give me some of your feedback on what you thought about how the defense played. This was the defensive performance we've been waiting for. You know, we expected Halfley to come in and really revolutionize this defense along with Tim Lukabu. And this was the game where it really happened. You know, we saw them really take away Temple's run game. You know, they. this was another game where the quarterback of the opposing team was a mobile quarterback, and they had to take him away, and they did a great job of that. You know, they made sure he didn't create explosive plays with his legs that can really torch a defense. He had 21 carries for 27 yards. That's awesome. None of the other backs really got going. And then, again, like, they kind of used the same principles of, hey, we will drop a bunch of guys in coverage and – wait for our passers to get home and confuse this true freshman quarterback and defense got home a lot. We saw BC on the back end deploy some more complex coverages. They played some uh, three high safety looks, which are very popular in the Venables defensive tree. So that's something BC really hasn't done in the past. And, you know, that was exciting to see them really break out some new stuff. And, you know, some guys like obviously like IGM and another homecoming had that incredible play where he just absolutely stonewalled Justin Lynch on a fourth and one. Yeah, that was the that when I looked at the players of the game, like that was the big thing for me, right? We talked about all season long, like what's the biggest concern about Boston College, the linebacker position, right? We saw the first game against Colgate, and it still was like, ooh, they looked a little slow. There was a couple breaks in coverages. UMass, there was a bunch of different er errors. IGM looked like to me the 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 linebacker that will kind of complete this defense to make them what they need to be because what he does and I was saying this to Mitch on 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 text he seems to me like a a, a mesh of Isaiah 
Isaiah McDuffie and Max Richardson. Can you explain to me if you agree with me or kind of disagree with me on that one, Mitch? Yeah, 100%. You know, he has the because he obviously he's an older player. He's just had some ish injury issues, but he brings that experience, that that instinctual knowledge of the game that Richardson brought and his ability to obviously use that to make a ton of tackles. But he also has a good bit of the athleticism that McDuffie brought to the table. You know, that was the issue we had with Max Richardson is that he kind of lacked that athleticism, whereas uh, IGM has no such limitations. You know, he's able to get around the field very quickly and, you know, he's able to mesh he's able to combine his instincts with his speed that allows him to anticipate and get to plays early and blow them up like on that quarterback run and a bunch of other plays he was all over the field um, he, i think he led the team in total tackles and solo tackles now let's talk about uh some of the other exciting parts um there was one uh, series where two freshman defensive ends had sacks in ex- ex- uh, successive plays. It was Donovan Azaraku and Ty Clemens. Now, for me, what's really excited about this is these two guys seem like the future at defensive end. And on top of that, Nito Akpala hasn't even played yet, and I've heard a lot about him, about his speed and what he's got. So you're starting to see these defensive ends coming in that are very different than the Marcus Valdez, the Brandon Barlows that um, – that you know, Halfley brought in that had Halfley was kind of, you know, I don't want to say stuck with, but you know, they they were there when he was brought in, and he kind of had to to work with them. What did you think about the the, the two freshmen and kind of your thoughts about Azaraku and, and Clemens? I think this was a great performance for them. You know, looking at some of Temple's offensive line, like their offensive tackles were pretty strong. You know, I was like, okay, if BC wants to get pressures, they're gonna have to do it, get it from the interior. And they didn't have to do that. Like, like you said, Clemens as a Raku, Brandon Barlow had a great game. They were able to create pressure off the edge and, you know, convert that pressure into sacks. We also had great games from Chris Banks, another guy making his homecoming. And, you know, TJ Ram had some nice plays. Isaiah Henderson played decently well. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, we talked about how concerned we are for the offensive for the, sorry, for the linebackers. I think there were similar concerns with the defensive line and those concerns were exacerbated when we found that, that Marcus Valdez wasn't going to be playing a lot. And, I mean, if you didn't know any better, you'd be like, oh, he's he's out there. Like, they're playing super well. No, he hasn't taken a snap yet. But Barlow's filled in nicely. Uh, Shida Salah hasn't had a, as big of a game as he had against Colgate. But, you know, I think he's still going to be able to make plays moving forward. Yeah, the, it looked like he was out of the game for a bit. I know someone had texted me that. And I was kind of watching for him. I didn't see him out there. Yeah, it looks like he got the start, but only took 20 snaps. So he might have, you know, tweaked, uh, you know, pulled something a little bit. And they're like, well, you know, we're probably fine. So you can pop out the rest of the game. And we'll put in some of the young guys, give them a chance to make some plays, which they did. So, Mitch, there's, there's now 12-game sample or 13-game sample here. Was this the best defensive output for BC under Jeff Halfley out of both seasons? I think you'd probably have to say yes. I think, obviously, you have to take context into effect of this not being an ACC opponent. Uh, I'm trying to think of other games that you might be able to make that argument. I think maybe the Georgia Tech game, because I think some of those scores were in garbage time, so it might have been a little fluky. Um, but I think this or Colgate, again, Colgate, take it with a grain of salt. But this or maybe the Georgia Tech game from 2019 are probably the two best defensive outputs. All right, great. Thank you so much, Mitch. Any uh, last thoughts about this game that you wanted to get out on the air? Um, not really. I mean, it, I, oh, I think we do need to address the penalty situation. Yeah. Uh, yes, yeah, let's so, talk about that. Yeah, so <laughs> I, if you look at the stats, let me pull those up here. So they're BC – committed two penalties for 25 yards one was a and both were pretty legitimate i'd argue one was a holding penalty on trey berry another one is was on tj ram when he ran after a play after his helmet came off which was another weird thing that happened a lot in the game a lot of beastie guys were losing their helmets and apparently that's a personal foul or something so that's those are fine calls the problem was is that 
Temple was flagged 11 times for 66 yards. And that includes, I think, three or four penalties that BC declined. And I wrote this in my three stars article and that I'm, as of right now, I still don't think Rod Carey has been admitted to the hospital for a heart attack, aneurysm, hypertension, whatever. But this guy was losing his mind the whole game. Like he was screaming at refs. He pulled the old Adazio throw the headset, you know, and he made a comment in the post-game press conference, obviously saying that the refs weren't calling penalties on BC. And I don't know. <laughs> I, I think his team was just, there was one point in the broadcast where you could hear a fan screaming, um, undisciplined and unprepared. And you could hear that over the microphones, like on the field. And I was like, okay, I think this guy just doesn't really have his team ready to play. Yeah. And he's, he's, it, it, what, what's it with for, former offensive line coaches? Cause he's, I, I, that's where he came from. So he's got the, he's got the same mentality as Adazio. And now uh, we'll, on tomorrow's show, um, Mitch and I will talk about Adazio who earned his first win of the season. Hey. Uh, <laughs> d- ducking, Ducking his 0-12 uh, prediction that many Colorado State fans thought was going to happen. Uh, but this is not about Steve Adazio. It's also it's a little fun, and we, we poke fun at him a little bit here and there. But this is about Boston College. Now, we're going to talk throughout the week about Mizzou. We'll have Locked On Mizzou with a cross um, a cross show between me and where, where I go on their show and they go on mine, go back and forth between that. It's SEC week. It just means more. So if it just means more, you need to check out Lockdown Boston College, where we're going to be previewing everything about the Tigers this week. Thank you all. This is AJ Black. You can follow me on Twitter at AJ Black underscore BC. You can also check me out on Instagram and Facebook. Make sure you check out my site, BC Bulletin, and uh, everything else on the socials. You know where to find us. Thank you all for listening, and we'll see you all again soon.